You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Tom Pelissero has been a busy guy, NFL insider. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Pelissero. And uh, this Sunday, a special six-hour edition of NFL Game Day Morning airs at 9 a.m. Eastern on the NFL Network. Tom broke the news this morning that Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator from the Packers, is going to be the head coach of the Denver Broncos. Tom, thanks for joining us. Who is Nathaniel Hackett, and why did he get this job? Nathaniel Hackett, Dan, is a fascinating guy. He's 42 years old. Uh, he's been a, a longtime coach going all the way back to his days uh, in Buffalo with the Bills at Syracuse down in Jacksonville, where I was in attendance at Heinz Field after the 2017 season when the Jaguars with Blake Bortles, at quarterback, put up 45 points on Pittsburgh to go to the AFC championship game. Uh, he ended up uh, getting dismissed there the following year amidst a whole bunch of injuries on offense, but landed in Green Bay with Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers and has really flourished uh, in his role these past several years. He's a unique individual in terms of the way that he presents. He is very into uh, technology. He's into analytics. He's into pop culture. He finds different ways to reach this generation of players. And I don't just mean, you know, the 20, 21-year-old millennials or whatever we're calling them, but even the likes of Aaron Rodgers, who's a veteran quarterback, has heard it all for 20-plus years playing football at every level. And Rodgers is one of Hackett's biggest fans to the point that, Last year, when Hackett got his first head coaching interview with the Falcons, Aaron Rodgers called Atlanta and said, you need to hire this guy. Oh, so the fact that now he's getting the Broncos job at a time that, Dan, you might have heard there are some questions about where Aaron Rodgers <laughs> would play in football in 2022. If anywhere, it's a really good fit uh, for a bunch of different reasons. And I'll tell you this, he's so high energy, Nathaniel Hackett is. Nobody's going to fall asleep in his meetings. He's going to give the most entertaining press conferences in the league, and they think he's going to win a lot of football games for him too. But I wonder, you go in in the interviewing process in Denver, does John Elway say, if we give you this job, can we get Aaron Rodgers? Like, how, how do you – would he get this job as standalone, you get the job, to be fair to his resume, and how much is the possibility of getting Aaron Rodgers attached to this? Well, as the Broncos were going through this process and general manager George Payton has been the one leading it, they knew that they couldn't hire a coach based solely on a contingency that may or may not happen. Of course, last year, Denver was the most linked spot to Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers at various points told people that Denver was a place he wanted to go. He may have even thought that's where he would potentially end up. And that was at a time that you had Vic Fangio as the head coach and Pat Shermer was the offensive coordinator. So now you have Hackett there. He's going to, in all likelihood, hire at least one Packers assistant, Adam Stenovich, who is the offensive line coach, run game coordinator, really well respected, used like 75 different O-line combinations this year with Bakhtiari out uh, and managed to, to make it work. There's going to be familiarity there with the system, with the coaches. Uh, it would only heighten the possibility – that Rodgers could land there, but they did a thorough search. You know, Peyton had uh, one of the most uh, expansive search parties. They had, I think, seven people who traveled around on the plane. They had other people involved on Zoom. They had different perspectives uh, from different people. And he spent time with 10 different candidates during the process, almost all of them in person, which is rare because in this cycle, one thing that came out of COVID was everyone was like, hey, the Zoom thing is great. We'll just do a dozen or in the Bears case, two dozen different interviews all on Zoom. Then we'll get to the second interviews. The Broncos kind of went old school. Fire up the private jet. 
We're going to go see 10 of these coaches go all the way, literally from the East Coast seeing Gerard Mayo to the West Coast seeing Kevin O'Connell. But one of the first interviews that they did was Nathaniel Hackett in Green Bay. Peyton had dinner with him the night before. They spent a long time together. Hackett, after that initial interview, had so impressed them that he became one of, if not the front runner. And so he was the only one that they brought back for a second interview on Monday. There's a lot to like about Nathaniel Hackett for the Denver Broncos beyond Aaron Rodgers, though certainly the Rodgers possibility is a nice piece. It feels like people aren't on the same page with Aaron Rodgers being able to leave the Green Bay Packers. He's not a free agent. There, there would have to be a trade here. And I don't even know, does Aaron Rodgers have a no-trade clause? He does not have a no-trade clause, though effectively – you have one when you're at that stage and you could just say, if you try to trade me to, you know, whatever Jacksonville, I'm just going to retire. So really here's how it sets up Dan. So they redid his contract last year. They shaved off. They didn't add any new money to it. They moved some things around, but they shaved off the last year in 2023. And they added this post Super Bowl void clause that in essence means they can't tag Aaron Rodgers after the 2022 season either. So really there's three different avenues. Rodgers can go. He could retire. That's pretty clean. The Packers would save a bunch of money on the salary cap. Uh, he could say, I'm going to continue playing for the Packers, at which point, in all likelihood, that would involve the Packers and Aaron Rodgers doing some kind of big, fully guaranteed extension that would keep him as a Packer for life. Or door number three is he could say, you know what? It's been fun. I've had you know a ton of success here over 17 years, but it's time for me to do something else. The Packers then at that point would have two choices themselves, one being they could say, we're not trading you. You're the reigning two-time reigning NFL MVP. You're going to play out your contract here. And Rodgers could say either, okay, I'll do that, or I you know, will just decide to walk away. Or the Packers could go, it's in our best interest to trade Aaron Rodgers when he's worth more right now in terms of capital in players and picks than he ever probably will be in the rest of his career. We'll trade him now as opposed to he plays out his contract in 2022 and then at most, you're getting like a fifth-round compensatory pick in 2023 for him. So it would set up a really interesting situation. He has that control to dictate what direction, what the options are, and then the Packers would have their own decision to make. Yeah, I just wonder. I'm sure they want to trade him to the AFC. That sound right? If, you know, if like Seattle, if Seattle wants to move on from Ross, they probably want him in the AFC, not the NFC. It would make sense, and just for historical context, Dan, I was working for the Green Bay Press-Gazette in 2008 during the Brett Favre retirement saga, unretirement <laughs> saga, and all that stuff. And when he showed up in a lightning storm in a helicopter and came in uh, in August during the family night scrimmage, showed up in his luxury box during the scrimmage where Rodgers is getting cheered when he throws incompletions and booed when he does something well. Most bizarre scene ever. But there were two teams on <laughs> Brett Favre, which were the New York Jets and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Brett Favre that day after lengthy meetings with, at the time, Ted Thompson, Mike McCarthy, left the facility thinking he's being traded to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Comes to find out later that night that Ted Thompson's trading him to the New York Jets, and the Jets had to recruit him to go there. Part of that was Ted Thompson, who was one of Brian Gutekunst's mentors, did not want Brett Favre in the NFC. That's not to say necessarily it would follow the same path, but absolutely that's something that, that executives take into account. What do you think Sean Payton's going to do? He's going to take some time away. You know, he was after the season. This was such a trying season uh, for Sean Payton and the Saints. I mean, you think about everything they overcame from being displaced by a hurricane in the early portion of the season to 
Jameis Winston's injury to other injuries to the COVID situation where they're down to starting Ian Book in a, in a nationally televised game, uh, Sean Payton was wiped out by the end of it. So, you know, shortly after the season ended, he flew down to Cabo. He played golf. He drank tequila. He just thought about his future and he came back and he just thought, I, I need a break. Uh, you know, in the short term, certainly he's going to have broadcast options, TV options. He's, you know, I think that his uh, 35 minute opening monologue to the press conference would probably fit better on a podcast than in the 40 <laughs> seconds he had between plays in a game. But Sean would be exceptional at doing that. You don't it's think be one- he coaches because look, Jerry Jones is going to be 80 years of age. Oh, yeah. He is not. He's not given the stamp of approval for Mike McCarthy coming back. The timing of this is just too strange. Why wait an extra year for Sean Payton when you could get him now and you give the Saints money and or picks and you got your coach, a coach that you've always wanted? You never say never because you also know that other owners are looking at this and going, the time is now if we're going to make a move for Sean Payton, we're at least going to place that phone call. I, I am choosing at this particular stage and based on the emotion that we saw from Sean Payton the other day, that he really is, we can take him at face value, that his intention, mm. of course, intentions can change, but his intention is to take 2022 off. And then that makes him one of the most fascinating characters, not just a year from now, but really throughout this season. I mean, every time that a team is in a rut and we're talking about a coach potentially being on the hot seat, there's going to be that cloud hanging over of what might Sean Payton do. Dallas is certainly a place that he's been linked to, I don't know how many times throughout the course of his career, but there's going to be other places that that potentially are going to be in that mix too. And you look at some of the teams that did not move on from their head coaches this year and teams that did not as strongly state publicly that they're going to stick with their coach as Stephen Jones of the Cowboys did with Mike McCarthy. There's absolutely going to be some coaches who are, going to be at risk of losing their jobs during next season. Sean Payton's going to be rumored for every one of those openings, and it would be organizational malpractice, Dan, to not make a phone call on one of the most successful coaches over the last 16 years. Yeah, I just get a feeling that Sean is – the timing is just interesting. I mean, you get a chance to coach the Cowboys. That's different than any other coaching vacancy or potential coaching vacancy. You win in Dallas, it's like being the Cowboys quarterback. You may not be the best quarterback in football, but you're the best known. I mean, you're the Cowboys quarterback. You're the Cowboys coach. I don't know. And Jerry is desperate to get another Super Bowl. At 80 years of age, I don't, man, I don't know. I don't know. Again, I, I would say organizational malpractice, if you're a team that's even thinking about making a coaching change, to not place a call yeah. on Sean Payton. At the same time, I would tell you the support from the Joneses for Mike McCarthy and his staff is probably stronger internally than it's perceived to be externally. They, okay. they went from six and 10 in his first year to 12 and five this season. They obviously made leaps. They weren't consistent enough offensively. The penalties were a problem in the, in the playoff game as they were throughout the course of the season. And they had some frankly strange stuff happen with a play that they've rehearsed a million times over and now has become this supposed example of that they don't, they're poorly coached and everything else. They practice that every Friday. It's the same scenario. They timed it out. They just never rehearsed having the umpire be 28 yards behind the play and then come and run over their quarterback on the way to spotting the ball and respotting it and spotting it again. It's again, I'm not saying that you couldn't have called something different there, but based upon that look where the nose tackles lined up, everything that they did was exactly how they rehearsed it 
it didn't work out. It doesn't completely erase the fact they went 12 and five this season and should be good for years to come. Thank you, Tom. We appreciate you joining us and uh, congrats on breaking the uh, Hackett to the Broncos news. We'll wait for you to break other news like Sean Payton to the Cowboys. Thanks for having me, Dan. Thank you, Tom. That's Tom Pelissero, NFL Network Insider. You can follow him at Tom Pelissero. Does a great job. Probably doesn't get enough credit for the job that he does. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. Be sure to catch the live edition of The Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Before we get to Ross Tucker... Do you have any update on uh, you couldn't carry my jockstrap? Yeah, the phrase you couldn't carry my jockstrap has been around a long time. I can find uh, references to it going back to the 70s. In the 80s, it was said by uh, Larry Holmes talking about Rocky Marciano, and he got in a lot of trouble for it. He kind of was demean- They thought it was demeaning towards Rocky Marciano. Mm-hmm. A couple people I emailed said, and they believe, one was a sports historian, believes it refers to like the equipment manager. Like if you said to someone, like, Paul, you're not good enough to make that team. You couldn't even you couldn't even carry the jock straps. Like you couldn't even be the equipment guy. Oh. That's what they believe okay. the reference refers to. It's like the equipment manager on the team carries the jock straps at a low end job, and you're not even good enough to do that, much less make the team. Mm. That's what uh, two people told me they believe the origin is. Yes, Eden. We also got uh, on social media from some people that the correct reply to you couldn't carry my jock is something along the lines of that's because I don't carry tweezers for something that small. Oh, so, boom. bang, now we've got the appropriate <laughs> response. And that is a natural segue for Ross Tucker, host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, works for CBS Westwood One. He'll be on the sidelines for the AFC Championship game in Kansas City Sunday between the Bengals and the Chief for Westwood One. Tony Baselli and Ian Eagle. Did you wear a jock strap when you played football? Never. Never, not once. I've never worn a jock strap or a cup in my entire life. Uh, I don't know any football players that ever wore a cup. I do remember, I think like in college, I remember some guys wore jock straps and that was like all they wore underneath their game pants. And the one year, um, the, our, our white home pants at Princeton were almost see-through because I remember some moms were telling their sons that they could see their bare butts out on the field and so that maybe they would want to wear like spandex shorts. I got to tell you guys, I got to tell you guys the story right now. I don't know how you got on the jock strap conversation uh, this morning, but I swear as God is my witness Yesterday, I pick up my girls from school. I'm driving to dance class, and I do a radio hit somewhere. I don't know who I was talking to, but I said on it something about so-and-so couldn't hold his you-know-what. Okay? Radio interview's over. We're, we're walking into, in, into dance class, and my one daughter – my daughters are eight and nine. My one daughter says, what's a you-know-what? What, what was the you-know-what that they couldn't hold? And I was like, uh – like a jock strap, like a jock. And they said, what, what's a jock strap? And I said, well, it's a thing that like holds a, 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 a boy's private so they don't flop around. 
And they both looked at me like their eyes got real big. I can't believe you guys either bugged my car. How are you talking? How are you having the same conversation that I had with my daughters like 10 hours ago? It's a teaching moment for you. I love that. Because in a million years, you'd never think, you know, when you say to your wife, oh, did you talk to the girl? What'd you talk about? Uh, something that holds on to your something, your privates. And then your wife or your daughters go home and say, hey, dad brought up this thing that you put your thing in so it doesn't jiggle around, mom. Yeah. How do, and how do I explain that one? And, I, you know, they're in the back seat in their car seats, and I'm, I'm talking about something football. Oh, man, they couldn't hold his you-know-what. I didn't even say jock. But when you say you-know-what, your kids want to know what is you-know-what. And so I was like, jock, jock. So I had to go through the whole – it was it was hilarious and eye-opening. And so they haven't referenced it yet. I don't think they told my wife. It's a good thing nobody's listening or watching. Our buddy uh, hosts a bunch of podcasts, including the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, and you can check him out on social media at Ross Tucker NFL. Ben Roethlisberger announces the obvious that he's going to step down. Ben Roethlisberger's legacy is going to be what? Uh, I think he's a Hall of Famer. I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. You know what I think about when I think of him, Dan? I think of a couple things, and I know people – want to dive into the off the field stuff. I'm not really going to go there. Uh, that was a long time ago. We've talked about it quite a bit for some people, by the way, that is part of his legacy. That is something that they bring up and look, I see it all the time. I mean, that is something that people will bring up and I know he has to live with that. I feel like the thing that jumps out to me is just how much he's matured on and off the field during his career. I mean, Dan, when he was first there, and I know you know this because you talk to enough people, but I'm going to say it. He was the last guy to get there and the first guy to leave. That's what I was told. And some of the years I was told that his weight would get up there during the season to 260, 270, 275. And I remember distinctly thinking, there's no way this guy plays more than like 10 years. What a terrible combination of not watching what you eat and your weight going ballooning up and you don't put the time in to really be able to excel with the mental aspect of the game. He got by playing street ball early in his career. You know, I always said that if I was ever going to play in my backyard or like at recess, Roethlisberger would have been my guy. He had the most uncanny ability to shrug guys off, fend them off. I mean, they invented a new way to tackle quarterbacks because of him. You couldn't tackle him low. You couldn't tackle him high. He would still throw the ball. You had to tackle his right wrist. You had to tackle the ball Hmm. because he was that big, that strong. So to me, his ability to mature – with how he lived his life off the field and mature as a football player, lose weight, put the mental aspect of the game, get rid of the ball faster. He really transitioned during his career. Steelers more likely to trade, sign a free agent, or draft their next quarterback? Or stay with what they have? 
Yeah, I think what they have is I think they've done a nice job there actually of having a baseline of Mason Rudolph and Haskins competing. I don't think anybody has delusions of grandeur for either one of those guys, but it's not a terrible fallback plan, right? I think somewhat curious they might be about what Mason Rudolph could do. I don't know that I envision them drafting one where they're drafting unless they love somebody, which could be possible. Maybe Kenny Pickett falls to them and they love him because he's right there in Pittsburgh. I think trade is probably more likely. That's sort of been the Steeler way. I know their fans are convinced that they're, that these one of these veteran guys wants to come there. I'm not so sure that's the case. I'm, I'm not so sure following Ben in Pittsburgh is as enticing to an Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson as Steelers fans might think it is. The news broke this morning. Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network said the Broncos were going to hire the Packers offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett. That would lead you to believe what, Ross Tucker? It's hard for me to imagine, Dan, that Aaron Rodgers is a 0% factor in that decision. I don't think he's a huge factor because there's so many different things in play with his contractual status, the Packers trading him, all those things. But there had been rumors that he wanted to go to Denver last year. I think there were rumors on draft day that he was close to being traded to Denver. You'd have to think the Packers would prefer to trade him to the AFC if that's what he wants to do. I don't think he wants to be there. I think I told you last week that if he lost, I thought he would be as good as gone. I'm going to stick with that. I don't think he's going to be back in Green Bay. And I think Denver's a a good possibility. And I think if the Packers are going to give Aaron Rodgers a decent amount of say in this, man, he kind of already wanted to go there. And now they get the offensive coordinator that he really, really likes. You know, I I would say that they're certainly, Dan, feathering the nest for, for Aaron Rodgers, for sure, in Denver. Is that the first feathering the nest reference we've had, Paulie? This year? I think since we've been doing this. I think that's the first feathering the nest. Checking. Okay, thank you. What does it even mean, by the way? I never even heard that until we had kids. And feathering the nest is like, that's like when my wife got the cribs ready and like the uh, the nursery or whatever, like getting ready for the ba- That's what it means, right? I think so. Feathering the yeah. nest. Feathering the- so that's what the Broncos are doing. They're feathering the nest for baby Aaron. Yes, Paul. I see that a definition, feathering the nest, you mean someone is getting a lot of money out of something so they could lead a comfortable life. Oh. Mary is much more interested in doing things for other people than feathering her own nest. Oh. That means we're okay. taking care of what you do or what your, your house. And Aaron Rodgers. Wow. I, that's, I've never heard it referenced that way. It could be multiple definite. You're you're the Princeton guy. Yeah, you're the Ivy League guy. So what? I People I say, I say that. So I, I agree. I agree. I agree. <laughs> you Ivy Leaguers, book smart. So what? Are you street smart? That's what I want. Hey, you want to hear something, Dan? This is the truth too. Okay. There is not. There's there's a correlation, but. There are plenty of Ivy League guys, and I know because I've had coaches tell me that their football intelligence was not where it needed to be, 
And it's part of the reason why they got cut. I know two guys for sure, because I talked to coaches afterwards, that they said he just couldn't pick things up from a football standpoint. Mm. Meanwhile, there are guys that are probably not real good in school, not real book smart, unbelievable football intelligence and IQ. Unbelievable, off the charts. I think there's some correlation, but I don't think it's as heavily correlated as people otherwise might think. You got the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals have beaten the Chiefs during the regular season a couple of weeks ago in Cincinnati. How does Cincinnati beat Kansas City? I think it's tough. I really think it's tough. Um, You know, probably similar to what they did the last time. They need Jamar Chase to just go bananas and have over 200 yards receiving two long touchdowns. I think the Chiefs will have a different defensive strategy this time, Dan. You know, last time they played a lot of man-to-man with a single high safety. And when you do that, that single high safety is in the middle of the field. He can't get to the sideline. He can't get outside the numbers. And Joe Burrow, I was talking with Greg Cosell about this on the Ross Tucker podcast this morning. If it's one-on-one, Dan, Joe Burrow just throws it. He trusts his guys, Chase and Higgins. He throws it up to those guys, gives them a chance to make a play, and they do. I think that the Chiefs will have more too deep safety coverages to not allow Chase and Higgins to beat them deep down the sideline and make the Bengals have to move the ball a little bit more. And why wouldn't you? I mean, the offensive line can't hold up. The one big knock I have on Joe right now, he takes sacks you just can't take. Yeah. I mean, you, he, like that's something he'll improve on for next year. But they're dead if he takes those sacks. And it's Frank Clark, Melvin Ingram, Chris Jones against the Bengals O-line. You know how I am, Dan. I, I'm, I'm on the side. I'm praying for a close game. I hope it's an epic, awesome back and forth. I'm a little bit worried that this game could get away from the Bengals. You know, Mahomes is not throwing three picks like Tannehill did. That's just not happening. He just doesn't do it. And I don't think that the Bengals are going to be able to light up the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs have a better defensive plan. I don't know. It feels like 30 to 20, maybe the Chiefs, the Chiefs win by double digits. I hope it's closer than that, but I'm a little bit worried that this is kind of the end of the line for the Bengals. And in the second half, they start to, you know, feel good about what they've accomplished this year and how far they've come. Who has changed the conversation about their careers more? Odell Beckham or Matthew Stafford? Oh, Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford. I think Odell Beckham is helping it, but he wasn't a gigantic factor in that last game. I mean, for Matthew Stafford to win two playoff games, to win on the road against Tom Brady, and to make the incredibly clutch throws, especially the last one that he made after all momentum had been lost. I mean, Dan, I said this during the game. Certain things only happen to the team playing against Tom Brady in the playoffs. I don't know if he did a deal (laughs) with the devil or he has a voodoo witch. Four fumbles. I mean, the ball gets snapped and Stafford's not ready for it. Cam Akers fumbles with a minute and a half left. Your kicker's short on a 47-yard field goal in the NFL. I don't think I've ever even seen that. I mean, things happen in that game. I couldn't believe 
for the Rams to get give up a 27-3 lead and Stafford still right the ship mm. and make that throw while Adamakin Sue was about to kill him. It's incredible. Stafford has changed a lot of opinions. He's made the Rams right for bringing him in. And I think he's got a great chance to go to the Super Bowl if they can beat the Niners, obviously. It's tough for the Niners to win seven straight. They've won six in a row. I like the Rams in that game, although it'll be a great close one. Stafford's changed the opinion of him. You know who else has changed their opinion, I think, a little bit? Josh Allen. I think there were some people that were still a little skeptical of Josh Allen with what he did in those two playoff games. Now people are calling him the 1B to Patrick Mahomes 1A. Have a great weekend. Great to talk to you again. We'll talk to you next week. Always. Thanks, guys. That's Ross Tucker, never wore a jockstrap, host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. He'll be on the sidelines working the AFC title game for Westwood One, Bengals, and the Chiefs. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Kevin James, we spoke to him on Monday. So I did not ask him about Sean Payton stepping down as the Saints head coach because that just happened. But uh, as I mentioned, the movie, it's called Home Team. It'll be released on Netflix tomorrow. Two years after winning the Super Bowl, Sean Payton gets suspended, goes back to his hometown, finds himself reconnecting with his 12-year-old son by coaching his Pop Warner football team. But we started out the interview where I asked him about going to high school, same high school, with the WWE legend Mick Foley. Yeah. The WWE Hall of Famer. He was the uh, heavyweight on our team, and he had no one to practice with. And I was a running back on our team, and I was a pretty big kid uh, uh, back then. I was in good shape, and uh, they needed another heavyweight. So they they brought me over to wrestle with Mick. And uh, I had never wrestled before, but uh, he, he's such a sweet kid. I, I knew him, and uh, he's such a great guy. And uh, I got to wrestle with him and train with him and, and kind of – Worked through the season with him. And I wrestled one year. That was it. But when did you realize that that Mick Foley had become that Mick Foley with WWE? Just now. I'm putting it together <laughs> right now. Just uh, as you're saying, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is all yeah. adding up now. What is? Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah. I mean, I knew he was a he was a he was a nutbag back in the day. He would he was I remember him jumping off his roof into boxes and he was always into that crazy stuff and didn't seem like that. It fought like his personality is a very sweet guy, but he was just a, a, a nut. He would, he would, he would do anything. He would eat stuff and you didn't even want to get into it. It was just a, he was a crazy uh, sweet heart of a guy, which uh, again, weird combo, you know, when I don't know how this works, that if you hear there's a movie about Sean Payton or somebody comes to you and says, we think you, look like Sean Payton or could play that role? No, no. Sandler, Sandler came to me and sent the script and said, Hey, listen, buddy, I got an idea that I think could be a really cool sports movie. Uh, what do you think about this? And then he sent me the script and I, I once he pitched it to me about Sean Payton and, and the story was about him going back to coach his 12 year old son. I was, I was in a hundred percent. I mean, I loved it. I loved the idea of it all. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was like, it was a no brainer, you know, how do you fall into that coach uh, persona? Do you, are you drawing yeah. off other coaches? Uh, 
famous coaches? You just go. You just kind of go with what. No, I didn't want to do that, but I just you, you start with what you think a coach is going to be, and this guy and a motivator and a let's go. And then uh, when I got to meet Sean and talk to him and uh, try to find out what he's about and what he does specifically different than every you know than than other coaches. It, it, that that's the hardest thing because there's a lot of great coaches that are just motivating and do different things and but he's a, he's a fun guy man he really is and uh the the most difficult thing for me with with Sean was the the accent because he's from California but like he he sounds a little Texas there's like everything in there and he had admitted it I'm like because I go I'm having a tough time getting you down and he said uh yeah because he goes I, I I switch it up the movie is home team we're talking to Kevin James he portrays Sean Payton, this is two years after the Super Bowl win when he was uh, suspended. Do you remember first late night appearance? As Mine? Stand up? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, as, as doing stand up or doing like sit down with, uh, you know, in the Tonight Show. I remember Tonight Show was just, it was misery for me. You know, I was so scared. I, yeah, I remember that one. How old were you? Uh, whew, I was, well, I started stand up at 20. Four or something, 23. I, I was probably 26, maybe something a few years later. Uh, and it was, I was just frightened. I remember I had gotten to tonight's show. I was in California uh, and there was an opening and we'd wanted to, you know, you, and a comedian works for the tonight show his whole career. That's what you're working for. That was the big benchmark. And I got it. And my, my uh, manager called me uh, and said, you got it. And, uh, I got panicked. I was like, he's like, it's this week. And I'm like, well, I'm not ready yet. So he's like, what are you talking about? We're out here. We're ready to do it. You've been doing stand up your whole life. You know, you know, you're starting to do it. I go, well, I'm just not ready yet because it's live. It's that whole, uh, that live with the camera and stuff like that. I don't want to do it. And I got panicked and he goes, I go, can you cancel? Tell them I can't do it. You know? And, and he goes, you, you want to cancel and let them know you don't want to do it. You've been working for this. Whole year. <laughs> so I said, he convinced me to actually do it. And then uh, I, he goes, just go practice your set. So I run around town. I went to Igby's. This was a comedy club back in the day, the improv, all these clubs and, and practice my set. And it was the night before the tonight show. And I, I, I did great in front of the audience, but I said, I'm still panicked. I'm, I'm afraid. And he's like, what are you afraid you're going to do? So I remember we were up at night, me and Jeff Sussman, my manager, up at, at, at like two o'clock in the morning. And, and he's like, what are you still panicked about? I was really having a panic attack. He said, I said, I just, I'm going to forget my lines and it's a live show. I don't want to do it. So he started, he literally was lighting things on fire and throwing them at me. He goes, do your act right now. And he just started throwing <laughs> things at me like shoes and this and that. And I was trying to evade that and, and, and do my act. I got no sleep that night. I went to the Tonight Show. It wasn't with Johnny, by the way. It was with Jay Leno at the time. I didn't make it with, when Johnny was there. Uh, but Leno came backstage, and he's like, how you doing? I had bags under my eyes. I was panicked. I didn't want to do it. I said, listen, man, I'm, I'm afraid. I don't want to, you know, I'm nervous. And he's like, what are you afraid of? I go, I'm going to forget my stuff and this and that. And I remember he was the greatest. He's like, hey, don't worry about it. You know, we'll, we'll stop We'll stop the tapes and, and and do it again. I go, well, it's a live show. He goes, yeah, but we don't air to 11, you know, whatever. So he goes, you can, you can mess up. Don't You're going to be fine. We'll do everything. We'll walk you through it. And it was the great. He calmed me down. And uh, I got through it. Who who are you mistaken for? Right now? Does the any big show probably? I don't know. Does um, any, anybody come up and say, aren't you Jason Statham? Pavar Pavarotti? No. <laughs> no, not Statham. What, you mean the new look with this look, what I'm going yeah, for? Yeah. Are you, are you going for Jason Statham look? 
I would love that. That's actually a, a good idea. I don't think it's too complimentary of Jason Statham, <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, if Jason Statham lost everything, I guess, and lived the rest of his life on a boat and ate nothing but dominoes. But it looks like you're down on your luck, Kev. I mean, in that room, there's there's nothing in the room. Like, it yeah. looks kind of sad. Yeah. Do you want me to show you around? Yeah. Like, well, that's, I mean, it's... Do, do, you, do you have a People's Choice Award in there or anything like that? I mean... No. There's No. There's nothing. No. No. Is everything okay? Is everything okay? I didn't want to go into this. I mean, I didn't <laughs> know we were going this way with everything. But, uh, yeah, I mean... I mean, thoughts and prayers for you here. I, I just... Yes, yes. Well, I'm going with the minimalist life, you know? I'm thinking less is more. No furniture in there. It looks like somebody's been... Like kids have been scribbling on the walls or something. Does that look like scribbling? This chair doesn't even have a bottom. I'm actually just <laughs> squatting right now. I'm, if I showed you, yeah. yeah I'm in full sumo squat right now. Well, the movie comes out Friday, January 28th, and uh, you can see Kevin James be an NFL, well, sort of an NFL head coach, to uh, to 12-year-olds. It's uh, called Home Team. Hey, it's great to catch up with you, and uh, DP, congrats on the movie. And- Thank you. And thank you for your part. That's all I'm going to say. You were great. You were wonderful. I don't want to. Yes, I understand. I I was going to say that I was, but I I'm glad you said it. I appreciate it. Yes, Kevin. You're amazing. You're amazing in the movie. I'm not even kidding. I'm not even kidding. Because when when, when we got it back from uh, editing, they sent me the scene. So I'm going to say and it's nothing major what you're doing. I'm just saying that. But you made it major, which was and I meant that I called Sandler immediately. I go. This this guy's getting incredible. He's getting he's just getting better and better. Honestly, each movie you do, you're amazing. Thank you. Kevin, thank you. Good luck. Thanks, bud. I appreciate buddy. it. That's Kevin James. Movie comes out tomorrow called Home Team. I have a little cameo there. I don't want to say that I stole the scene, but I have to play myself. Oh. I know. That's the bummer. I, I love to disappear into a role, like totally immerse myself, like De Niro did. You know, taxi driver, like all of the great actors where you just say, wow, who is that? Oh, that's De Niro. Uh, That's Christian Bale. That's Brando. Oh, that's Dan Patrick. Like when I played Abe Lincoln, I mean, people thought like they that I was really Abe Lincoln. You know, that's what was amazing. Yes. He's sort of uh, like the guy from Succession who uh, just gets so deep in his roles that he just takes over his whole life. Yes, Paulie. I was kind of hoping you play like uh, the Saints special teams coach or something like that. Mm. With a visor and a mm. clipboard. That would be a good role. Maybe I could have played Greg Williams, the mm. defensive coordinator who brought about Bounty mm. Gate. You've had a few bounties on people over the years. Yes, day. I have. Uh, I, I still can, have some bounties I can out name there. them if you want. I have some. Now, there's no need to do that. <laughs> yeah. uh, they're, they're outstanding. Yes, they are. They're outstanding and they're outstanding. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app, by searching FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. 
Sean Payton, former Saints head coach. Does that sound strange to hear? Actually, it's the first time uh, I heard that, and it, it sounded a little odd, yes. When did, um, when did you realize, though, that you were getting close to a decision about stepping away from the Saints? I think probably the latter part of the season. Um, and when we finished, you always try to kind of avoid, you know, something like that when it's raw, right when the season's over with. And, you know, I spent a couple of days, I, I spoke with Mickey, our general manager, Mrs. Benson, and, and then, uh, you know, typically a staff has a week off after the season before you start on the senior bowl and the scouting. And, and so we all kind of had that vacation. And, but I, I'd say, honestly, the last, the last part of the season, um, there wasn't one game. There wasn't one specific moment. It, it, it just felt uh, like this was going to be the time. Who tried to talk you out of this? Well, Mickey, who's a dear friend, uh, our, our GM and I spoke for an hour and a half. Um, this, was the, this was right after the season ended. So this is, you know, the week prior to the wild card round. He was good. I mean, he understood it. We've been together, two of us, 16 years. Mrs. Benson was the one that really w- was adamant, you know, that I take a week away and and um, and don't give her an early decision. Um, and then outside of that, you know, Dennis Lausch, our president, the same way. Um, you know, both my kids were were all ears. You know, they really wanted to be supportive. And, and you know, they, they there's a you know, we, it's, we've heard burnout before. I, I don't know that it's that, but it, it, when you're someplace for 16 years, 15 seasons, um, you know, over a period of time that you're, you're, uh, you're almost ready for another challenge. And you don't know the thing about it is that, that there was a week or two leading up to this. And then at the, at the point where I stepped away, there was this discussion that, Hey, he's going to go into TV and I'd like to do that. And yet, I hadn't heard from anybody. You know, you know, there was this, well, he's already got And I'm like. <laughs> Ouch. Kind of hard to go in if nobody's asking you to come in, no Sean. No one's asking. So <laughs> I, fortunately, the, the day of, uh, after the press conference, um, we received a number of calls. And But, it, you know, there's every once in a while, I think it's all right to step outside, be a little uncomfortable. In, in, uh, and I think that that had a lot to do with it. Do you want to do studio or would you like to be part of a game broadcast? That's a great question. I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, honestly, I'd like maybe some expert to say, this is what I think you should do um, because I have no idea. Well, here's the, here's the problem. And, and Drew ran into this in the playoff game that he did. Like you got to be to the point. You got 20 seconds, 15 seconds. Yeah. You got you have a play clock, you know that you had have to adhere to. Yeah, can you do that? Can you compartmentalize, say something that is going to be tangent to what's going on? Get the hell out of the way, let the play develop. Now, what did you just see that we didn't see? And yeah, I think so. Um, absolutely. I had, I had a guy in a production meeting this year from one of the networks asked me to. Uh, Hey, when you're taking us through this, take us through it like you were you were helping our moms or explaining it to our mothers, mm. you know, where everyone can understand. And I and I think that 
in, in a year where we lost probably the best to ever do it relative to the masses in John Madden. You know, when John, there's generations that think of John either as a coach, that wasn't me, an announcer, that was me, and then the, certainly the Madden game, which is my son. Um, he had a, a, a great way um, in 10 seconds or even less than that to say, hey, they, they pushed harder here, and that's why they gained three yards. Yeah, it it's it seems simple, but it's not. And and the great ones, you know, Romo does an unbelievable job. Collinsworth does an unbelievable job. Troy does. It's you got to see it, say it, get out of the way, and the, yeah. let your play-by-play voice call the action. Now you have to clean up the mess right after that of why it happened or you know it didn't happen. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes what I observe from afar is and and with all of the the guys you just mentioned um i i've done some some studio work before a super bowl or studio on set work before uh uh whatever a playoff round and you have your topic and and you know the the person in charge is the one that's really directing traffic they, they've got a hard job we all wait for our little point you know they they throw us the pass and, and we shoot we shoot a shot and and then we root for that to happen in the game. And, and then when it doesn't happen in the game, the coaches are all messed up. Why didn't that happen? I predicted it. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think sometimes I would guess one of the bigger mistakes would be uh, we're not getting paid by the work. Yes. Like sometimes it's right there for us to watch. And, uh, and, and you see that. You know what's interesting? I think one of the better compliments would be, I can't recall who called the game. I, my dad used to say, you know, a, a, a sign of someone that was well-dressed, you couldn't remember what he wore. But we can certainly remember when we don't like what we hear. Well, it's like an umpire in baseball. If I don't know your yeah. name, you probably had a pretty good game. Uh, we're talking to uh, Sean <laughs> right. Payton, the former Saints head coach. I was curious about the state of the Saints and the role that that played in your decision salary cap issues you don't have a franchise quarterback you don't know what's happening with michael thomas you somehow squeezed nine wins out of this roster which was amazing but what role did that play in you deciding that you wanted to step away you know i I, i've been asked that question but i would i would say it it had little to do with this decision And, and here's where i'm going we had 58 – we were the first team to ever have 58 starters in a season. That, that was a record. So the prior record was 57. That team, I'm not sure who won three games. There was somebody that had 56 that won five games. Um, we won nine games with with 58 starters, and we won because our defense is playing at, at an outstanding level. Um, we didn't turn the ball over offensively. And, and granted, we, we played four different quarterbacks, but – we're built through the offensive line. Mike Thomas will be coming back off an injury. And, and we have a, a salary cap issue, but we had that same cap issue in a different, even in a more dramatic fashion heading into last season. Then you look at our division because you want to win. And you look at Carolina and then you look at Atlanta and that, well, I'm okay with that. And then you look over at Tampa Bay and Man, there's going to be some shuffling of the guard there. They won the division, but they didn't beat us. Um, 
So I, I think, yeah, I, there's no utopia when you walk into one of these jobs and then me leaving. I don't think, Dan, I don't think it was it was because of the current. I would say that almost was a was something that was weighing with me because you don't get a defense like this yeah. often. You know, it took a long time. Yeah. How many teams have reached out to you? Not one. Nobody. <laughs> the networks. Now, well, they, they they would have to reach out to the Saints. And and look, you you know this. You can have a backdoor, hey, would you have any interest? Um, that's happened maybe with a couple a couple clubs, but I, I'm not I'm not looking at that path right now. I at some point, I, I don't think I'm finished coaching, but um I was excited to to get two or three calls and texts from from people in the television industry. But you have had teams back channel, third party. Uh the two. And and when I say that If I guess, will you tell me? Yeah, you, you no, because there's only <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, you said yes. If I no. okay. when I say that, all I'm saying is somebody who's close to someone, man, you'd be really good here. Um, it, this, is, this is only we're 24 or 48 hours removed from it, and that's not my plan. Um, my my plan is for someone to tell me we think you'd be good at play by or not play by play, but in game analysis or in studio. We think you'd be good at this, and uh, we'd like you to to come try it. And I'd be excited because there's a part of you that also wants to um, to listen and learn again and, and not be the one directing just how can I be great at some, at something different than coaching and then teach me the bears and the Cowboys. No, no. Oh, oh that's where it's not. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Well, here's the other thing, Sean, you can't master it in one year. If right. you're, you're going to do this, you know, you, you have to go all in and do it. Because Jason Witten wasn't ready to do this. He he, he he needed to he needed other reps to maybe get to a certain point. But if you're going to commit to this, then you got to look at it and say, I'm committed for two years, three years. Because if I'm hiring you and, and it's going to be in a booth, I, you know, studio or interchangeable. But in a booth, you're calling a game. And if you're there with Joe Buck for Fox then I want to know you want to be there and we, we develop uh, and, and even, you know, Jim Nance said this to us earlier in the week. This was the first game he did with Tony Romo where he thought the five years we've been together that we, we, we called our best game and they're among the elite to ever do it. But that's the yeah. commitment you're going to have to make. No, I, I understand. And I, I think that's kind of exciting. I, I, I said, look, I might coach again because I don't want to say I'm never doing this. And then someday somebody say, well, this is what he told us. I thought, you know, that happens so often with coaches that um, when Madden left after 10 years, my understanding was he was pursued twice, you know, and then, and then finally took that job with CBS. And uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's possible to dabble in something like that. And it's not possible for me to dabble in anything. And, and, um, and I've, I've, listened, I've, I've watched these progressions and these hires. And I would, I would say I agree with you with, with, with what you're saying. Witten didn't have a great surrounding cast either. 
But interesting to watch Tony's because the one thing that that that's apparent is until that individual's on camera for a game or two, it's hard to predict how they're going to be and how the television's going to receive them. Like, you, you know, it, it's probably a little bit like a first-round pick or a second-round pick. We think we've got a vision, and yet I'm sure there have been a lot of misses. And then I'm sure there have been some other ones that, wow, this guy was better than we ever expected. Yeah, it's that ability to be able to predict what's going to happen. And and it helps being a quarterback, uh, you know, with, with Peyton doing it or Romo doing that, that, that you're aware that, hey, you do your homework. If you were coaching against this team, like sure. that, that's, that's your process probably is like, this is what we always prepared for. This is what they like to do. Yeah. This is what I would be called. Like, those are the kind of things where – you can rely on all of those years of being a, a, a head coach and assistant coach. Yeah. It, 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 look, exactly. Because when I watch a game, which isn't often, but when you watch a game in a television manner, last weekend was a great weekend of football. You're thinking situationally 13 seconds. This is what we're going to have to do to win this game on defense. Or you're thinking. How the hell did that happen? How the hell? Now I'm asking you as an analyst. Yeah. How the well, hell did the, the Chiefs do that in 13 seconds? They did it because defensively, Buffalo played outside outside technique in a zone coverage defending the sidelines. The problem was Kansas City had timeouts, and you can't do that when a team has timeouts. So every receiver entered entered the defensive backfield with free access, particularly their better receivers. And it, and it just can't happen. And it didn't, you know, there's a, there's a four man rush, but they're protecting the sidelines when Kansas City, city didn't need to get to the sidelines. Yeah. Kansas city could go anywhere they wanted. That's good. But I would, I would have cut that down to about 15 seconds and you would have, you would have squeezed it in there. You're, we're, you know, we're, so then ask me the, the end of the Cowboys game and let me see if I can do this better. Okay. Uh, what did the Cowboys do wrong in this situation? Well, look, they're trying to get in field. They're trying to get in touchdown range, and they ran a draw. We typically would throw a pass and down, down. Ultimately, I think two further, two more steps for for Dak. Uh, he's got to slide a little quicker. He's up. Ball has to go to the umpire. Then let's go. Um, we can never hand the ball to the center. Okay, I like that. You got to speak in fifteen-second sound bites. You, you you should actually yeah. practice this. You know, if somebody yeah, asks like you it. a question, give them fifteen seconds, and and have that clock in your head. You know, if if pizza is delivered, fifteen seconds. That's it. Drew like Brees calls you fifteen seconds per answer. <laughs> what are you going to do all day today? Well, I've got a list. Um, I've got. Uh, I've got to do some packing. Um, I'm actually moving into another um, house here in New Orleans. Um, from so you, one to you're going to stay there in New Orleans? We're, well, yeah. I mean, I'm going to have a presence here. We'll always have a presence here. And, and we're moving in from a bigger house into a, 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 a like a condominium development. So I've got a, a number of things I've got to do relative to packing. Um, 
I'm going to stop there because I'm at 15 seconds. Okay, that's good. That's good. And you got a movie tomorrow night that comes or tomorrow comes out on Netflix. I, you know, I've, I've been asked so much about it, and I'm all, I'm really excited for for that group for Adam Sandler and his his team and Chris Titone, who is my daughter's boyfriend. Um, I've I've had zero input in in I've helped them with the story. Uh, I've got a small little cameo and I'm excited like you are just to watch it, put it on and, and see what it, see what it looks like. It, you know, it sounds like it's going to be funny and, and along the lines of uh, the bad news bears. Um, and what I say in my cameo, just so you know, I don't believe what I said. Okay. I'm an actor because I, I was a little critical about you and your ego. Ah, I got it. I, so, well, I'm a janitor in this movie. And so as a janitor, I'm not going to be offended about what you say about Kevin James playing Sean Payton. Exactly. Um, could we get the visor from your last game? Yeah. We'd, we'd like to put it in the man cave if I could. I like it. I, I will make sure, and, and I know where it's at. Um, we will send that to you. That. Might not be the last visor you wear as a head coach in the NFL. Well, I, yeah, there's a chance. Look, if if this television thing goes well, and I don't think they're going to want me in a visor. <laughs> Maybe the first game you wear a visor. Just to let them know you're is, coaching. You know, you pay attention to all these things, and Romo and Nance have the matching CBS suits, yeah. and then certainly – um, Buck and Aikman go a certain direction, and then uh, NBC. Everyone's got their own little, yeah. their own little twist to it. it. It it is interesting to watch, and it's it's those first two weekends, wild card or divisional round, where one of the networks has two games, and you get, and I don't want to say this in any, but you get the other team. And you're watching a playoff game, and you're like, hey, why do I have the other team? It's a playoff game. And you, you, you understand that, obviously, that they've got two games. Uh, good luck with this. And if I can help, let me know. You know I appreciate it. Yeah. I, uh, I appreciate our friendship and working relationship, too, all, all through these years. Thank you, Sean. Uh, we appreciate it. Good luck. All right. Uh, Thank uh, you. Sean Payton, the former Saints head coach.